You're listening to the Common Descent Podcast. Hello, Will. Hello, David. Hello, listeners, and welcome back to Silver Screen Science. Again. This time, we are talking about Godzilla again. Again. So last June, we did a Godzilla series. Kaijun. Kaijun. And we talked about, well, it was Godzilla and King Kong predominantly. But this time, we are talking about a Godzilla film we did not discuss during Kaijun. The 1998 American film Godzilla. Too many the infamous Godzilla. (laughs) The infamous Godzilla. Before we get into that, Silver Screen Science, for those who are new, is a series where we talk about the science of movies, not just nitpicking what they do wrong, but examining how the film treats science and scientists, and particularly the kinds of science that we are most interested Mm -hmm. in. So for something like Godzilla, that is, you are creating a fictional dinosaur, and how are you doing it? To that end, we will be discussing the movie in its entirety, yep. so consider this your spoiler warning. You've been warned. Godzilla 1998 is an American film released in 1998 Yep. by Roland Emmerich, directed by Roland Emmerich, released through Centropolis Entertainment. It is the first Godzilla film to be released by a Hollywood studio, mm-hmm. and it stars Matthew Broderick, Jean Reno, Maria Patillo, Hank Azaria, and a bunch of other people. Will, you're the Godzilla guy. Yeah. I What's am. this movie about? Remember, listeners, spoilers. Spoilers from here on out. From here on out. So this movie stands out for being the first time a new version, like a truly new version of Godzilla was done. It's completely separate from the Japanese movies, from the Japanese Godzilla, from the original, which most of the other, you know, Toho is the one who created Godzilla and put has put out basically everything Godzilla, except for things recently. All of those films, for the most part, I think there's a couple that may not, but for the most part, connect to the original film, are supposed to be either sequels or reboots of that or somehow connected to it they're all that original godzilla in a way this was an american take and the settings very much the same in that it is atomic bomb testing triggers the awakening of this creature but in this one instead of it being a mutated prehistoric creature it is a mutated lizard we're never told which lizard nope uh but it's it's suggested some kind of iguana in that's that's most people have generally agreed some kind of iguana is mutated by French atomic bomb testing. It then swims to Manhattan, wreaking havoc all along the way, gaining the attention of military and government officials trying to figure out what it is. And while they're doing that, they are gathering experts. One is Nick Nick Nico Tatopoulos, who is a researcher, Matthew Broderick, who studies the effects of radiation on life. He's found studying earthworms that have gotten giant due to latent radiation. And so they bring him, a paleontologist and some tech dude, in on it to try to figure out what they're dealing with. And then what proceeds is a Godzilla movie, but in Manhattan instead of Tokyo, and with a very dinosaurian Godzilla instead of a upright one. And the biggest part that's different is that a part of the plot is this Godzilla is reproducing. Laying eggs. Yeah, so it's not just big monster smashing city. It is a big monster with the potential to start a new race of monsters. And so it kind of has that evolution situation again of now we have to keep ourselves from going extinct due to this creature. Right. And... They then they fight the monster. They fight the baby monsters until humans win. Chaos ensues. <laughs> Spoilers. The yes. humans win. And before we get into our sciencey discussion, the reason that we did this one, a few reasons. One, we've been doing a bunch of new si- silver screen science episodes to fill the mm-hmm. silence, to fill space and time, so that people have stuff to listen to and we have more stuff to do while we are all hopefully staying safe and healthy in our homes, avoiding the COVID-19 pandemic. 
Also, we've been watching movies on Netflix with some of our viewers because there's an app for that. And it's been so much fun. And it's been great. So we watched Godzilla 1998 because it was on Netflix. And it's one of the few versions of Godzilla we haven't touched on. That's very true. <laughs> well, and it's also a very dinosaurian it is. Godzilla, which will lead us actually into our opening segment. Well, now segment. <laughs> this Godzilla. So we'll talk about Godzilla and the, the monster as we usually do in movies like this. This Godzilla draws a lot from the trend of the 90s, which is to say Jurassic Park, Yep, in depicting dinosaurs on film much more realistically. Yes. With their tails out behind them and their backs horizontal and they're, they're not standing upright. This Godzilla looks much more like a real life dinosaur. A theropod. A theropod. So, w Will, tell us about this Godzilla. Let's talk about how it is yeah so this godzilla is interesting because though the original was supposed to be a a prehistoric sea creature or dinosaur depending on which godzilla movie you watch <laughs> this one looks like a dinosaur with a few additions it has very long so if you picture t-rex right now in your mind with a smaller head and long arms long arms three fingers like take indominus and stretch those arms <laughs> long, very arms long arms with Three digitive fingers and then thumbs. Mm -hmm. So this one has actual hands. And then down its back, it has those spines that Godzilla is so famous for. But these are much more like the spikes kind of on the back of a crocodile, except much more exaggerated and curved forward. So they're like reverse teeth on the yeah. back. They, they, they kind of went with this all over in the design it's it feels like they were going for a more realistic feel so the spines yes. on the original godzilla are these monster spines well like yeah they, they were a very power rangers villain could have spines like that like the original one kind of has uh almost a stegosaurus feeling to it yeah but then as you get into more it's just like yeah you have stalactites on your back this one they feel more like scutes yeah they feel like osteoderms like, like they are you might see on a lizard bony projection yeah it's almost armadillo lizard-esque yeah uh and it's more this godzilla's also much more anatomical like it has that realistic musculature and it's moving, like you said, like we suspect dinosaurs moved. And it has, it's gray in color. It's much more normal mm -hmm. colored in that it's not, its skin is not based off of radiation burns. It's right. based off of lizard scales. Yeah. Like this is supposed to look like an animal. And that's the thing the movie actually presses is... Godzilla is not attacking Manhattan. It's looking for a place to live. Right. It's it, an aquatic it, reptile and it has found an island full of places it can hide. Yeah. It, it's kind of Godzilla 2014 in that regard yeah. with the Mutos where it's like, no, they're they're kind of just doing their own thing. Yeah. We are just in the way of their mating behavior. <laughs> it, it's just that we are antithetical yeah. <laughs> to what their, their lifestyle. Well, it's... <laughs> It's like when we've been having ant problems yep. next to one of our outside doors. It's <laughs> so I'm not going to war with the ants. I'm just getting rid of ants in my house. But to the ants, <laughs> yeah. it is, it is horrifying. So this Godzilla, and it also, this is a CG Godzilla. Very CG. Which means that they were able to do more realistic features because it didn't have to be a person in a suit. Yeah, it's much more agile. It's much more animated. Although there are parts of it that are still influenced by person in a suit mentality. Yes. Like it very, and everyone in our chat in the, the Netflix viewing mm -hmm. commented on this the first time you see its chest. It has a human torso. It's got pecs. Yes, it does. Yeah, it's a very human <laughs> shaped torso. Because there was a human suit made for the movie. Just if my understanding, it did not make it into much of the movie, but that's the design of Godzilla is a guy in a suit. So this Godzilla is an interesting case for our purposes because it's not a dinosaur. Nope. It is an iguana or lizard of some kind. It's some kind of lizard. That Island has been lizard. mutated into a theropod shape. Yes. And then runs around Manhattan doing all of its Godzilla-y stuff. Yep. 
And in terms of dinosaurian stuff, so biologically, that doesn't make sense. Why would your iguana mutate into something bipedal that's basically a theropod? Yep. But in terms of dinosaur stuff, I appreciate this Godzilla for jumping on the very cool bandwagon that Jurassic Park started of let's make our fictional dinosaurs look and move and behave like real dinosaurs. So we shaped it more like a real yeah. dinosaur. And in that regard, it's not bad. No, not too bad. Well, it also suggests a cool idea to me that if I were asked, you know, you need to make a realistic version of Godzilla that looks like it could maybe actually exist. And it's all right. Well, Godzilla is supposed to be a big dinosaur thing, right? Well, the if we want him to be a scary, you know, predatory one, the biggest thing is theropods. So that makes sense if you're trying to make a realistic reptile kaiju the biggest scary ones of those not to say herbivores aren't scary but like the biggest toothy right know, right clawed ones of those were big theropods so it actually it makes sense to choose a, a t-rex body design when you're making your godzilla if you're trying to make it more realistic because that that's the biggest we've ever seen two-legged Yo. you know reptiles get and I like that this Godzilla, so so classic Godzilla is very plodding. Yeah, boom. And it, big boom. and heavy and it's stomping and it's slow. And it really is falling into that old view of dinosaurs. Tail dragging the ground. Tail dragging, very slow, very sluggish. This one is very much not that. No, it's outrunning helicopters. Yeah, it's and the darting between buildings. Losing track. Of, yeah, this is also a much smaller sleeker Godzilla that's actually moving within the city instead of trampling it. Which does fit into that notion of it being a dinosaurian animal mm-hmm. that's navigating, that is that is quick and... At, yeah, it's because it's a carnivore. It's well, a hunter. The, the other thing I like is we really have two big, like, military versus Godzilla interactions. And in both of them, it is Godzilla avoiding the military until Godzilla finally gets fed up and turns the tables. Mm -hmm. But like in both of them, Godzilla is not attacking the military. He's not targeting tanks. Godzilla is not going after their formations. It's just avoiding being attacked. Yeah. Once again, much more animal. Like if you shoot at an animal, they run away, not toward you usually. And the movie, as you said, harps on that point Mm -hmm. of Godzilla is not a monster. It's an animal that needs a place to live and things to eat. And it's uh, wants a place to mate. It's eating fish. Yeah. Like it's not eating humans. No, it's eating a fairly mundane thing. It, but that, uh, that leads it into a couple of neat situations where it's first attack is on a fishing, you know, a a fishing uh, shipment boat that's packaging tuna, bumblebee tuna, bumblebee tuna. And then the second attack is on fishing trawlers. Yeah. So it's attacks, quote unquote, on people. Was it smelling and feeding? Right. It's like when your dog tries to get food off the dinner table. Well, it's what I used to tell people about uh, shark attacks is that because we had big sand tiger sharks and the only documented or at least most of the only documented non-provoked attacks, you know, so just the shark attacking for seemingly no reason were on spear fishers who are often attacked because they're carrying dead fish on a rope. And the example I used to give is if you go into a kennel with a stake in your pocket, you're going to get bitten. <laughs> like, that's it's not the dog's fault. It's not Godzilla's fault that you had fish in your ship. So there are some things about this Godzilla that are very dinosaurian. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it's overall shape. Its face is very iguanian. It is, yeah. The scaling and the, the neck yep, are very is, lizard. Which I appreciate. It has extra fingers in weird places. It does. So it's like you said, it has thumbs on its hands. Yeah, it has hands. A fourth finger, which you do not typically find in theropods, although you do see lizards tend to have five mm-hmm. toes. And then on its back feet, and uh, our chat <laughs> uh, was having a field day with this. So Godzilla in this case is functionally tridactyl. Yeah, it three toes. Three toes, like theropods tended to be. And it has an extra, like a dewclaw toe. But whereas many of our familiar dewclawed animals that we know, including theropods, it's on the inside. On this Godzilla, it was on the outside. Yep. Which isn't unheard of for animals to have outside vestigial toes or shrunken toes. 
But it's a weird thing to see on a dinosaur-type animal. Yeah, yeah. And I agree. That was a weird choice, movie. Yeah. I I wondered if that that choice was due to we didn't decide to check, you know, and we just put it on there. uh, And, you know, we didn't put on the thumb side for some reason. Or if it was... No, it's still supposed to be a mutant. So, like, give it the dinosaur dewclaw, but... Make it, don't just make it a dinosaur. Right. Make it weird. Change it. You know, yeah. take, here's T-Rex, you know, or here's you know, whatever there. Yeah. At Megalosaurus yeah. or whoever. And switch it up a bit. Yeah. Make it weird. And if, and if that just got switched as they're like, all right, yeah, let's move that around. That makes it, it's, it's, yeah, here, copy my homework, but just change it so they can't tell. Yeah, right. So, so Godzilla itself is this big dinosaur creature. Another thing they threw in there is that this this Godzilla is cold-bodied. Yeah. They have a scene where the helicopters are chasing chasing it through the streets. And they get a missile lock, but then the missiles don't continue that lock or make good on that lock. Because, as they say, it's colder than the buildings around them. Right. So, suggesting that this is a ectothermic Godzilla. Right, an animal that's not maintaining an internal body heat warmer than the surrounding environment, like mammals and birds would yeah. do. Yeah. But as you might expect, a iguana mm-hmm. to not do, which is interesting. It's a it's a neat touch. Yeah. Doesn't make sense. No, not for something that big and that active. No. Like, and if you're going for theropod, yeah, if you're going for dinosaurs, that's, that's not what we think anymore. Probably not the case. But I appreciate it as a, well, no, let's, how, how can we make it more lizardy? Yes, we need to connect to that it was a lizard. It's also burrowing. Yeah, which is probably the weirdest thing that they add to this Godzilla. This Godzilla swims. It's aquatic, yes. which is why as a kid, I always held that it was a marine iguana. And the way it swims, it its legs and arms kind of fold back. Mm-hmm. Very much like how a marine iguana yep. would swim, or like a croc yep. holds its arms at its sides. And I always, so I always went with that as a kid, partially because it made sense. You're swimming, so that works. They're herbivores, so that doesn't work. Yeah. But also, marine iguanas were one of my favorites, so that works. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it swims, which it, Godzilla swims. Godzilla True. comes from the ocean. Yep. It's the the name is supposed to be a Japanese sea god. It has to swim. Yeah, okay. Uh, the running makes sense. You know, this is more agile because you decided to go more dinosaur. Right. And you gave it a theropod body, yep. which is built for running. Yep. So that's different from old Godzilla, but that makes sense for this body design. The burrowing is kind of out of left field. Yeah. Like, that's bizarre. And they never reference a why. They never give a reason why this Godzilla burrows other than it does... Right. Well, it allows them to have it disappear from one part of the city and pop up somewhere else. Which, story-wise, is what I would bet was the, the decision is we need to make right, this Godzilla right. more mysterious. Well, and it's so also, have it disappear underground. It's also digging a nest. And that's Just, what the important part is. It's digging dens and burrows. Right. Which is actually cool. This is the first Godzilla we see, like, make a home. Yeah. And, like, have... Get an idea for what a Godzilla habitat would look like. Well, and it's interesting because you've created an animal here that is especially adept mm-hmm. at running, swimming, and digging. Yeah. And I don't know that I can think of an animal in the real world that does that. Yeah, like, I can think of one that does one of, like, two of the three. Right. Moles are really good swimmers. Mm-hmm. They're excellent swimmers. Uh and Let's like see. crocs are good swimmers and they're not bad at all on land nope. when they get going. No. Nope. There's actually lots of running animals that are quite good swimmers. Like nope. you get a lot of like deer and stuff are actually quite powerful swimmers. Actually, you know what? Snakes. I bet there are snakes that, that do all three quite yeah. well. Yeah. <laughs> that, that may be, maybe well, not true burrowing. They but like... technically can't do one of them. <laughs> yeah, but they, but they can move. <laughs> they can book it. So it's an interesting, like, you chose a body design that was good for one thing, but it's a monster. Yes. And it's a sea god, so it has to also do other stuff. And it, though we're we're kind of, you know, patting the back for all of the semi-accurate things they did, it's still very monstrified. Oh, yeah. Uh, Godzilla roars at everything. He roars at, 
he roars at Matthew Broderick. He roars underground. He roars at ships. Yep. He roars at the sky while hugging a building. Like you do. He So just making noise all the time. Uh, Except when he doesn't. Yes, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and just absolutely silent so that you don't notice God, notice it sneaking around. Although they do the, um, in the beginning, they do the Jurassic Park stomping yeah. thing. Except it's bigger. Yeah, thing, it's jumping cars and bouncing things. But that only happens when the movie wants to be suspenseful. Yes. And show that Godzilla is about to show up. Otherwise, he just appears out of nowhere. I'm not saying that Jurassic Park didn't do that in that one scene. Yeah. But... They at least did that in two scenes. <laughs> yeah, they did. Absolutely. <laughs> they did that in more scenes than they didn't. So Godzilla, as far as an animal goes, it is an, it's got all the kaiju issues. It's too big. It's it too big. All that. It, it's moving in ways that you couldn't if you were that big. It does a lot of jumping. A lot of jumping, a lot of climbing. Every time it jumps, it wigs me out. Yeah. Because like, no, you're huge. Yeah. You, you shouldn't be able to jump like, I'm not convinced that T-Rex could jump yes, exactly. the way that you're depicting this animal jumping. And that this that this is too big to, to do that. Well, it doesn't give a sense of weight. Like, you should be right. weighing it. You, you weigh as much as a whale. The movie keeps telling us it's heavy. Yes. <laughs> but it doesn't look heavy yeah. in the way that it moves. Uh, they also have a lot of scenes where they show that this Godzilla is intelligent. Yes. And that's something that's also fairly new for... Godzilla's at uh, that time yeah especially because like in other Godzilla movies there are moments where we see Godzilla do clever things but it's almost always in fighting the other monster and it's like I figured out how to beat you this Godzilla we see actively unraveling the plans of the military in that a trap set once does not work twice right and Godzilla can recognize individuals it can determine friend and foe very easily just by recognizing who it's looking at so this is a smart calculating you know pensive godzilla right which which is part of the godzilla as a character yeah and as a monster kind of feature which is is you know once again not the first time they've done that but is really kind of a core aspect of this one is we're supposed to kind of sympathize and empathize with godzilla the other major trait of Godzilla that is important in the movie is it reproduces. It does. And Matthew Broderick's character repeatedly notes that this Godzilla is capable of asexual reproduction. Yes. So it is parthenogenic. Which is a lizard trait. That is a real thing, and we see it in lizards. Yeah. And in fact, because there's this whole point that it's this creature is mutated into a new species, which let's set that sentence aside because, <laughs> nah, nah. but then it's parthenogenetic, which means that it can have a nest of little clones of itself and basically kickstart a new species, a new, a new race population of Godzilla's, which is interesting because it's another one. I appreciate that you took parthenogenesis. Yeah. Which is a thing we know lizards do. And there are real life animals that can populate whole new areas by creating parthenogenetic clone populations. Yeah, This is one of the, the ways that it's been suggested that the Brahmini blind snake mm-hmm, mm-hmm. has become the most widespread snake in the world. Yeah, It's parthenogenic, so you only need to introduce one. Well, and there's there's one lizard that I'm trying to remember. It's, I, it's I think it's a kind of gecko that is famous for getting onto islands and yeah. populating. It, like I think it's one of the, the. There's been notes that it is often one of the animals you see first repopulating volcanic islands after they've been covered by volcanic rock. Because if you get one lizard to watch up, you now have a population of lizards there right right so it's not an unrealistic thing yes to put forward and kudos to them for putting putting in an asexually reproducing godzilla yeah it's it's a new thing for godzilla because godzilla's had babies before one baby godzilla jr who has either been horrifically ugly (laughs) unreasonably cute or just a tiny version of godzilla but never have we been we've never been explained how Godzilla Jr. came about. It just, there was a baby. This is right. the first like time. Pokemon. Yeah. An egg appeared. Yeah. Well, I don't know what happened. 
this time they've actually gone into the biology to say, no, this is how this organism works. And I do appreciate, although I don't know if this was intentional, that all the baby Godzillas look pretty much the same and like Godzilla. Yes. And and they should, because they're clones. Yep. If you're reproducing asexually, you're producing genetic clones of yourself. Yeah. I don't know if the producers said, hey, you better make them all look the same, because scientifically they're genetic clones. Yep. But I appreciate it. Yes. No, that's a nice <laughs> touch. Uh, they try to, to, to make it that Godzilla lays a certain number of eggs similar to lizards. Yeah, well, they, because they, um, they have a moment where they were discussing, like, if it lays a similar number to lizards, we could be expecting, you know. Right, and he says 12 eggs or, or yeah, whatever. Yeah, this, but a reasonable number. That's still too many Godzillas. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Like 12 eggs. Whoa, there's too many Godzillas. And then he lays, I think, 200 uh, or something. They never say the number. I don't, like, they never get a count, but they, Godzilla lays enough eggs to fill Madison Square Garden. With babies. Which is an entire stadium. It's big. <laughs> so, yeah, like, dozens and dozens of enormous eggs. Like, I'm trying to think of a thing to compare to the size, like outhouse size. Yes, yeah, eggs. no, they are they are big enough for you to comfortably fit in. And that was another discussion that came up in the chat, which was, is that beyond the physical possible size of an egg? Which maybe, yeah, because the largest eggs in the world are like football size. Yes, you have ostriches and you have some extinct dinosaurs that hit roughly that size, and they don't get bigger than that and i have heard it suggested that beyond that the egg couldn't be structurally stable and also permeable in the ways that it needs to be yeah, to let gases exchange through the sh uh, through the shell right right so you have these big godzilla eggs and it hatches into a bunch of babies who are then velociraptors yes they are extremely jurassic park raptors they are what we would call super precocial yeah they hatch they're immediately walking they're immediately vocalizing. They're immediately feeding on their own off of dead fish left there yep. by their parent. Uh, and then hunting. And then actively pursuing our, our French saviors that have entered the movie by this time. And then, and it, you know, in, you know, birds are altricial, which is they're born and they're helpless, like some other species. <laughs> precocial species are you're born and then you're, you're fairly capable. And these are super precocial, just like we're super... Altricial? Altricial. Yeah. <laughs> well, these are so precocial that they're hatching in attack mode. Yes. Like, there are moments where the movie does the thing of, like, the monster comes through the wall to attack someone... Except it's hatching out of its yeah, egg. Yeah, like, I'm still halfway in the egg, and I yep. attempt to bite you. Yep. So it's like, you are monster precocial. Yes. And now, it's not to say, there are organisms that hatch and are immediately behave, like... Ready to go. Crocs. Baby crocs feed themselves from day one, so they're hunting, basically, not as they hatch, but as soon as they hatch, they're vocalizing... They're crawling around. So I'm like, they're able to swim and do everything a croc needs to do day one. So it's not unreasonable. Right. These are just hyper aggressive. Well, they're the monster version yes. of that. Although I will say, I like that. So Godzilla in the movie is eating tons and tons of fish, mm -hmm. which the movie claims is to collect food for its babies. Yep. But Godzilla never shows any interest in hunting people no but the babies when they hatch because they are a little bigger than people yeah they're probably so they're the size of a person in a baby godzilla suit <laughs> yes I, pretty much so yeah they're a little bit they're like utah raptor size yeah they're probably close to 10 feet long and they hunt people, which I like because it suggests that there's ontogenetic niche partitioning. Well, what it's the reason they're hunting people is because the people smell like the fish. Ah, that's, that's what the movie says. That's okay. Is it that's we smell point. like the fish? That now it's never said that they wouldn't attack people otherwise. <laughs> right, right, right. But that's the reason they give. Well, I like it being ontogenetic niche partitioning <laughs> that they hunt humans because they're the right size and they can avoid competition with Godzilla, who is big. And we do get one scene uh, that shows that maybe Godzilla was a caring parent. 
Yes. In that Godzilla is forlorn and enraged when all its babies are, spoilers, killed. Yeah. All the babies die, and Godzilla is sad. So it shows that Godzilla has a sense of parenthood, that it is parental. Right, right. That it may have taken care of the babies. Yeah, that had we gotten a scene of adult Godzilla and baby Godzilla together, that there may have been caretaking. Yeah. Uh, or at least protection and uh, chaperoning. That yeah. it may have been at least guarding the young while they still fed themselves. Right, right. And then there's one uh, last note on this Godzilla that's kind of a weird one, just as far as, like, its anatomy goes, is we have two scenes that may be fire breath. Oh, yeah, that's right. Because Godzilla has atomic breath, this atomic radiation breath a right. beam of concentrated yeah ra- radioactive energy that it sprays out at whatever it's angry at this godzilla though is only ever shown to breathe fire but in both scenes it could reasonably reasonably be explained that the cars that both times it launches with its breath ignite and explode we right. never see just fire bellowing out of godzilla's mouth like a dragon which feels like another one of those we've made this a realistic take on Godzilla. Yeah. Like I I I get the feeling as a viewer very much that those scenes were there to or we have to have Godzilla breathe fire at least once but maybe make it maybe it wasn't. Right. You know, which conveniently excuses us from having to discuss the biology of fire yeah. breathing. So in the cartoon that follows the show it definitely breathes fire but also the cartoon changes the hair color and voices of all the the humans so <laughs> You know, there's mutations going on everywhere. Everyone's, well, there's radioactivity going on. <laughs> They've been hanging out with Godzilla this whole time. Who they do suggest is radioactive at the beginning of the movie. They're using oh, yeah. Geiger, Geiger counters to trace Godzilla at the very beginning, but they never discuss Godzilla being radioactive later on. Yeah. So that's an, that's a weird thing on this. They, I feel like that was more of a callback than actual, than they were actually putting down that this animal is radioactive like original Godzilla. So like most kaiju movies actually there are scientists Mm -hmm. in this film mainly there are two people who are significant scientific presences yeah the main character is a scientist so matthew broderick plays nico tatopoulos tapa tatopoulos (laughs) nick tapadopoulos nick stephanopoulos who (laughs) is a researcher who studies so he he digs up worms in chernobyl yeah the the you get a very brief background to him where he boycotted nuclear power Mm -hmm. in college which then led him to working for radiation research to try to change things from the inside right uh and he's studying the effects on radiation on living organisms by collecting unusually large earthworms right he comments that the earthworms in the radiated areas are 17 percent. i think he says or 15 percent. yeah larger than normal earthworms yes and then they bring him in as a radiation on animals expert yep because they find giant radiation radiated footprints yep and a cool callback to the original although there's no trilobite in the footprint this time nope and then he spends the movie trying to understand Godzilla. Yeah. But he also ends up being the one who makes a lot of the inferences about Godzilla's lifestyle and habits. Oh, yeah. No, he is the kaiju expert in this movie. So he's doing the thing where, on the one hand, he is, I study animals and I understand animal biology and here's the information. But he is also absolutely doing the trope of the scientist as exposition yes source yes where it's godzilla's doing this because of this reason because he's the scientist and he can know impossible things well and he's also doing the thing of he's the one scientist who's correct also true because there are there are at least two different times where there are other definite the, the description from the movie says that there's a biologist and two scientists it does uh, say that. The <laughs> Netflix description says a biologist and two scientists. Which, which hey. Three scientists. Yeah. But geez. also in the movie, it's just... Well, the, there's the, a third guy who they introduce, and he's supposed to be a tech guy, if I remember right. And in the cartoon is much more important and is a techno genius. But in the movie, they introduce him, he says hi, and then he never does anything. He never does no. any science. 
But our other scientist is a paleontologist. Paleontologist. Yeah. Whose name I forget. Yeah, I don't remember it right off the top. But she's called in as the, because we have a dinosaur. Yes, we have, because they found a three-toed giant footprint. And everyone's seen Jurassic Park at this point. Right, exactly. (laughs) So they know what that means. And so this person is a paleontologist, although we don't, to my right, as I remember, don't really get any information on what she does or what she studies. It's just, this is the paleontologist. And it's not dinosaurs. It sure ain't that. <laughs> well, it's a real shame because this character seems to exist in the movie to A, make eyes at Matthew Broderick. Yep. Until the movie puts him together with the other main woman in the movie. And then the movie forgets that the paleontologist lady also liked Matthew Broderick. Yep. But mostly she exists to say wrong stuff. Yeah, to say, to give an explanation as a scientist that then Nick, as a scientist, uh, corrects and gives the correct answer for. Right. It it explains the paleo-type animal to the paleontologist. Yeah, well, it's because there's one scene where they're like, the general's like, what what is this thing? (laughs) And she says, sir, an allosaurus. Alice, which right off the bat, not incorrect. No, that that was the wrong theropod for you to grab from the get go. And then she says, what, "Thought to have gone extinct." Well, she says some kind of giant reptile, right? <laughs> thought to have gone extinct in the Cretaceous. In the Cretaceous, seventy million years ago. Which none of that is right. No, everything th- amazing. Yes, everything you just said is yes. wrong. Like. A, not an Allosaurus. No, you chose a mid-sized theropod as your... Well, Allosaurus is, is large for theropods. Oh, yeah, I mean, it's it's big, but you didn't go for any of, like, the record breakers. And you also chose a, just a dinosaur. Yeah. Like, this is clearly not just a dinosaur. Yep. And then you said that it went extinct at the end of the Cretaceous, which it didn't. Nope. That, no. And some kind of... As though Allosaurus is a generic term for... Yeah large meat-eating dinosaur, which is a way that a lot of prehistoric animal names are often used in movies. Yeah. Is, oh, it's some sort of pterodactyl. Yeah. Referring to anything flying that is implied to be prehistoric yes. or something like that. So she has that awful line. And then Matthew Broderick comes in to be like, I don't think so. I, I think it's a mutated creature. Uh, and this is where he says a brand new species right a brand new form of life right and and is correct because he's the protagonist yeah well he's the main character (laughs) yeah so he has plot armor for his knowledge yes he (laughs) if he says something with confidence it's the right answer so he is definitely we've talked about this trope before of the scientist as the uber knowledgeable person yeah he is infallible when it comes to smart things because he's the scientist Mm mm-hmm and they put another scientist in there to prove how good he is. Yes. She 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 plays a not dissimilar role to uh, Julianne Moore's character in Evolution, which we discussed. Yep. Where you exist to be a si- person who is technically a scientist, but is also kind of goofy so that you're not too good of... yeah you're not a credible scientist right we get we take the wind out of your sails yeah. so that the other characters can look better which uh, there's a whole bunch of commentary to discuss on that yeah there is other than that i do appreciate that matthew broderick is the scientist character is the most sympathetic towards godzilla yeah as an animal he's kind of doing the alan grant thing where yes. it's not a monster it's an animal yep and we have to think of it as an animal and we have to treat it as an animal. Well, because there's there's one really great scene where the the where the general tasked with hunting Godzilla down is just fuming over how how did we lose track? Because after the initial uh, right. <laughs> so you appearance. Wanna, you want to try that again? <laughs> after the initial attack, it disappeared. Yep. <laughs> and he, he's just super angry and Matthew Roderick comes up and says, this isn't some enemy trying to destroy you. It's an animal and it's going to do what an animal does. And, you know, it, and that's really the one of the side messages to the film, which is cool. I like that that character does that. Yeah. Again, taking a page out of the Jurassic Park approach. Yeah. 
And, you know, even in the original Godzilla, it had parts of that mentality where the paleontologist was saying, all you want to, all you people want to do is destroy this thing. Right. We should understand this thing. Now, Mr. Nick is not quite taking that stance. No, by the he's end of He's still it... a Well, even at the beginning, he's like, no, no, we need to understand it as an animal. Here's how you trap it and kill it, military. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> you trap it and kill it like an animal. Yeah. He, at no point is he vying for the protection of Godzilla. Right. He's helping everyone hunt down the babies. Like, he, he's the one that figures out Godzilla's pregnant and then says, okay, we got to go blow up that nest, guys. Come on. Right. A, so, a brand new species that we must destroy. Yeah. It's it's kind of that cold scientist yeah. way in a little bit of like, I understand. I see things as they are, but I have no emotion <laughs> connected yeah. to it. And, and, and outside of that, as a character... He is not any less believable than any of the other cartoony characters in the film. Yeah. As a scientist, like he's curious and yeah. he's perceptive. He makes good decisions and he makes bad decisions about how to deal with monsters, about which other character to get into a romantic relationship yep. in the movie with. Yeah. But he is definitely falling into some of those, the scientific who knows everything, the scientist who is a little bit cold and detached yep. from the thing. The The big thing, though, that he stands out to me as is he's the scientist that just innately understands the monster. Yes. Uh, which makes no sense because at no point is it explained that he's worked with other animals other than earthworms. Right. Like we've never we're never given a well, I studied lizards back in. No, yeah. also, I studied radiation. And then I worked with earthworms, and now I understand giant lizards. Especially since he's a bad scientist. Yes, he is. <laughs> he, I think like three times or something yes. in the movie, we see him collecting specimens, always with his bare hands. With bare hands. He never and, like, wears no gloves. no tools. No, he just picks it up. You just be, that's, come on now. <laughs> I, as a paleontologist, I can only barely get away with that. Yes. You're dealing with living things. <laughs> One well, and there's a couple of moments where he just knows these random things. I think my favorite one is when they first lose track of Godzilla. The paleontologist says it must have gone gone back to the water, and then he just out of nowhere goes, "I don't think so. I mean, look at it—an island surrounded on all sides by water, with plenty of places to hide. This is the perfect environment. What are you talking? For what? Like, what do you mean, plenty of places to hide? <laughs> yeah." The general was just flabbergasted that we lost track of it. And you're just like, yeah, no, it can hide in there. No, that is a flabbergasting thing. <laughs> you should yeah. be scratching your head on how it's hiding. We're surprised by this. In the most populated city as tall as the building. Like, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> So, yeah, he has a number of those moments where he's just like, well, obviously, you stupid people. Yeah. This is the thing that makes sense. Which is a very, it's a common scientist trope in movies, especially in movies like this. Yeah. He's Monster also, and kaiju movies. He's also an expert on birth con, uh, birth tests, uh, pregnancy tests. Yeah. Which the chat pointed out that he goes to ask for pregnancy tests for some reason when he gets a sample of Godzilla's blood. Because right. the knee-jerk reaction is to test it for pregnancy because he read the script before everyone else did. Right. He knew. He knows what the next few pages are yeah. about. Like, I've always been baffled as to why he just goes, I, well, I have some of its blood. The thing you do whenever you have blood, people... Right, you is get a, you get a human pregnancy a test. Human pregnancy test. But he which, asks for very specific chemicals. Yeah, and I don't know enough. Oh, know. for hormones, it's yes. like for detecting certain hormones that I guess are lizard specific. I don't know. Well, it's a it's a clever idea that oh, I'll use pregnancy tests to test its blood for the presence of these hormones. But it it's a clever idea, and it doesn't go much past that. And I don't I don't know enough about pregnancy hormones yeah. to comment on what the chemicals he was asking for are yeah but yeah that that part just always struck me as weird because we're never given a reason why he decides to go buy those things well that he has to be there so that audrey can find him <laughs> so he can meet up with his old bad <laughs> his girlfriend old flame. so we've got a kind of cool dinosaur monster yeah we've got a scientist and then we've got another character who well, we got movie... a biologist and a scientist right exactly <laughs> we have a, a bunch of characters that the movie tries to convince us are scientists now as we often say silver screen science is about exploring the broad topic of how science comes across in movies the overview 
and we're not here just to nitpick little tiny things that bug us. But that's super fun to do. I mean, Cinema Sins is popular for a reason. So at the end of every Silver Screen Science, we like to devote a little section to what we call mini rants, which is our opportunity to take a couple minutes and get really frustrated about tiny, meaningless things in the movie. Will? So my mini rant is fairly mini. <laughs> it's, it's, <laughs> it's, it's about a five second part of the movie yeah it's it's so godzilla digs in this one it's a it's a burrow it's a digger he's a digger and we see these giant tunnels left behind by godzilla and we get one scene in the tunnels where godzilla emerges into an existing tunnel Mm -hmm. to then burrow up to the surface but in that scene we don't see it we don't see him digging we just see the face push through like an icebreaker and then it just moves up toward the surface and then there's a hole up to the road right it goes past like a locomotive yeah it, uh the way worms are always shown to go through the ground it just right well, like graboids yes but then when godzilla's fighting the subs mm-hmm. swims back to manhattan and starts digging into the ground to burrow from the water into the ground to escape cool idea like those those semi-aquatic moles yeah which yeah it's a cool idea and it starts digging, but it it gets nowhere very quickly. It's very slow digging. And so it, really my mini rant is when we first see Godzilla underground, we're not shown how it digs. It just kind of moves through the earth. And then when we see it digging, it's bad at it. Yeah. Like it's not digging very quickly. It's like doing these very slow. Di- I don't know. It seems like Godzilla is a bad digger, even though the movie insists that it's a good digger. Well, because the movie faced the problem of having to display an animal digging where it has no adaptations for digging. Yeah, exactly. Like, that's that's really the issue. <laughs> it's it's also especially funny because that is like a thing into the cartoon that Godzilla uses to defeat many of its monsters well, by digging and like appearing behind it. It spins <laughs> around like Superman. Yeah. And it goes through the... Well, that moment... Well, bugged. it spins like Sonic and those back spikes just yep. <laughs> buzzsaw into the ground. That moment was I, was annoyed me a little bit because it's also trying to escape the submarines with their torpedoes and yeah. stuff, and it's just like slowly scraping the wall away. And that's like if it if that was going to be a mode of escape, I expected this was where we see that as a super powered kaiju. It just just you know right right. Oh, it should have used its atomic breath. Yes, yes, like the thing from the core. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But it doesn't. It just, it does make, it makes no process, <laughs> progress. Yeah, it's a bad digger. Yeah, so yeah. That that was just, a disa- that was disappointing to little Will the first time I saw the movie. I was like, oh, we get to see it dig. And then it, bad at it. Nope. Well, my mini rant is a terminology. Yeah. Rant. So this whole episode, we have been referring to Godzilla as it. Yes. But in the movie, they refer to Godzilla as he, which bugged me a whole bit bunch because a major plot point of this movie is that Godzilla's also laying eggs. Yeah, is pregnant. Now, pronouns are a nuanced and complicated subject, and I'm well aware that in human culture, it's totally feasible for a person to use he him pronouns and also give birth. Yeah. And that assigning gendered pronouns to non-human animals is a very anthropomorphic thing to do. And so there's not technically anything wrong with calling an animal whatever pronouns you want there is no single right wrong answer but i don't suspect that the filmmakers had all this nuance in mind and it feels like they're suggesting that godzilla is male yeah while it's also laying eggs and it's weird to me that no one in the film at least mentions like he do you mean it's male yeah that doesn't have to be like I don't think that in 1998, the filmmakers were trying to make a statement about the complex relationships between gender and sexual terminology. And I especially don't think that the film going audience in 1998 was picking up on that nuanced complex relationship. So I'm led to suspect that the filmmakers were calling it a he to suggest that Godzilla is biologically male. Males can't asexually reproduce parthenogenetically the way that Godzilla seems to be doing it. At the very least, he's like an earthworm, and yeah. he's, he's got a little bit of both yep. bio- biologies going on. 
and is create that meh, it's a meaningless little thing but i wish someone in the movie would have made a comment about how is it doing that and it feels like there is a conflict between you wanted this plot point of godzilla laying eggs but you also wanted to maintain godzilla being the king of the monsters yep and thus being referred to as a male monster Mm -hmm. and that bugged me well and it's especially weird because at no point or is it explained why they insist on calling it a he like matthew broderick gets a tissue sample in one scene and at no point while analyzing it says well this is definitely a male like right. I've, I've taken a very a, a dna sample and it's definitely male uh we don't get that scene we just start calling the monster he and then when he discovers that godzilla's pregnant he goes and he's pregnant and then <laughs> audrey says he goes yes a very unusual he and then that's that we never at no point does someone say he or i guess she you know or anything like no one at any point tries to address okay well maybe we got our uh our sexing of the animal wrong like yeah it's it's weird that it doesn't that that you insisted on both yeah without any explanation now i i will say Dr. Grant does the same thing in Jurassic Park. He does. Yes, you're right. T-Rex doesn't want to be fed. He wants to hunt. She wants to hunt. Yeah, you just visited the lab. They just told you (laughs) that all the dinosaurs in Jurassic Park are female. (laughs) Well, with that, I think we've spent enough time on this movie. Yeah. Well, we've spent enough time talking about the science of this movie. We hope that everybody out there has enjoyed it. If you are a patron, we will be releasing, as typical, a More Thoughts episode on Patreon, where we will discuss not the science, but just what we think about yeah, the, film. the movie. The film. More Thoughts is our excuse to be our, uh, movie critics a little. And with that, let us wrap up. We hope everybody out there has enjoyed this episode and the other content we've been releasing. We will do more extra content in the future, so keep your eyes on our social media and things for more postings, and if we do more online stuff, hopefully everybody out there is staying as safe and healthy as possible. Stay tuned for more. We'll have more things coming up, more movies to watch. If you haven't seen Godzilla 1998... I say watch it. Will says watch it. (laughs) So there you go. (laughs) We'll see you next time. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Common Descent Podcast. You can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and check our WordPress blog for pictures and links after each episode. Huge thanks to our patrons whose support helps keep this podcast running and who get access to bonus goodies on Patreon. The song you're hearing is called On the Origin of Species by Protodome, which we found at ocremix.org. Thanks again for listening. We hope you'll join us next time.